1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul.
0: And I'm Dan. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Mr. Griffith Morgan III, who's the head of the Secrets of Blackmoor project. He likes to keep things secret uh, until just the right time. Uh, and he's here today to talk about the next printing of The Lost Dungeons of Tannisburg by famed Blackmoor player Greg Spenson. And uh, you're seeing what we all have copies. We all have hardcover copies of this gorgeous, uh, this gorgeous initial printing. Which is, which is currently out of print, but uh, there's a new printing coming up. And if you didn't get it the first time around, it will be available soon. And uh, Griff, thank you so much for making time uh, for you and this gorgeous book today.
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna be back here. I'm gonna hide the whole show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have um, a number of creators who like to be very private about that. So we respect that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, well, I think that's silly. It's just like, you gotta just, you know, people are people. And here I am in all my, my, my uh, smelly wonder, but you can't smell me over the internet, so you're safe. Um, um, LSR, old smelly reprobates, right? Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm just glad Hi, to nice. be on the show. You know, I hope we have a lot of fun here. Um, I'm really great, proud great. of this book. You know, I'm glad you guys, you know, I sent you guys copies, like what, a year ago? I sent you guys yep, copies yep. when nobody cared and they weren't worth anything. um one of those sold for over 500 dollars on ebay now so you've got like between the two of you over a thousand dollars in your hands and uh, those are beautiful actually
0: probably the best gift anyone has ever sent The wandering dms if anybody wants to try a top hat feel free but i don't i think you're gonna have a hard time frankly
2: (laughs) yeah well it's just like you know it wasn't it wasn't planned as a as a tiny printing these are these are small printing too um um, but it just ended up that way, so they're kind of a rarity that people want to have, you know. Um, so, yeah, what did you want to talk about? Anything particular? I mean, you guys read the well, book. Is me, there anything that sticks out?
0: Well, you know, we had, um, uh, you know, we had, we had in the spring. We had Dan Bog, Dan Boggs, uh, who wrote the uh, the rule set at the back mm-hmm. of this. So you can play the whole game if, you know, if you'd never had D anD D or anything like that. Plus Greg Spencer, who wrote the original adventure, of course. So that was a very right. interesting chat. So you told us that, um, there's a new Kickstarter that you're about to, uh, launch. Is that right? Yeah. Is that going to be like this week or, or soon after that?
2: You know, we're hoping this week, um, there's a whole process you have to go to anybody that through anybody that's done a Kickstarter knows that you have to get it approved and however busy they are leads to some delay there. But, um, the last thing we're working on, we're going to do... We weren't sure about it, but uh, we thought we'd try doing a conversion for the dungeon-level keys to 5e, just because so many people play 5e. And maybe... I'm thinking of putting a guide in there of what 5e rules to not use. Um, so, like, extended rests and uh, what are the other ones? Just, you know, try to avoid all the die rolls, try to role play it all interact with the environment and you know in the in the full role playing experience which is not just play acting role playing is is you being immersed in a in a in a in a fantasy where you can use all your senses to experience what you're, what is around you by based on what the dm tells you and uh and then what you say is what you do you know um i mean we all know that but Uh, I think that's a different, I think that 5e is not being played in the traditional way. And so I think people need to, hopefully this will be a good guide for them to get back to playing in a traditional manner.
0: I can see a lot of tension there between, uh, you know, current 5th edition or shortly 6th edition rules. And, you know, an adventure that was really written, uh, I think, you know, before D&D was published even initially. I think he was looking at like, Greg was looking at a draft document before D&D was on the market he and probably
2: had a draft D&D yeah. was released I always forget it was like May of 74 or something like that or maybe it was earlier I don't know but um I'm not like a date a date freak and you know I don't care it happened all i care is that it happened and and the ideas behind something happening or what's relevant to me um so yeah he had it about 8 months before and probably the draft he had was early uh, it might have been a lot different you know we don't know um yep. i don't know did dan talk about the stocking of the dungeon at all when he was on the show because he went they, they, through yeah, and analyzed they, the numbers they, yeah so it yep, looks dan like it was great. done yeah i mean i read it when i got a hold of it once i knew what it was we knew what it was actually before it was confirmed it was just like this is the only thing it can be um
1: yep.
2: and it was mcgarry who suggested that it was probably tonisborg and that he didn't realize he had kept a Xerox copy of the maps uh that he had made before he went to boston and lost the maps for greg um and so it just sat in a box for 35 years so i the minute i got those scans i started running it for our group and uh it was kind of remarkable because there's things that i'd forgotten about original dungeons and dragons the encounters are not arneson never ran balanced encounters the original Blackmore, if you look at the first fantasy campaign you know are rooms like there are rooms with 500 orcs in them you know? like you open the door and it's just oh okay this is yeah. where we run drop yeah. everything move leave treasure leave everything of value just lighten up and move <laughs> and um uh anyway so the the original D D had the com- the encounter charts it were sort of uh double charts you'd use them for placing monsters randomly and you'd use them for random encounters, and um, and most people didn't use, I, mean, I you know, I would just look at it and go like, you know, this room is a temple, I think this should be here, and I would take something yeah. off of the first level, um, or something that seemed balanced, or something on the third, a third level monster, and not as many, so it was a balanced, sort of balanced encounter for my players. Um, but the original rules, you had to you'd roll a die first to see what level of monster you got, and it was always the level you were on or worse. It never was easier. <laughs> and, um,
0: yeah, yeah, that's true.
2: And so yeah. if you look at yeah. the right the first level, and then the other trick. Well, first we'll talk about that, and then I'll tell you about the other sneaky <laughs> trick about the Thomas Board. Um, if you look at the first level, I mean, it was fun running my players through it because they were just like Chris immediately. He was like. This, this is, you know, he was like, this is Thomas Borg, isn't it? Even the first session, he was like, You're Thomas Borg. And I was like, yep. And so he was just like, oh, my God, we're like the first people in, like, you know, 35 or more years to go into this dungeon. it's This is historical. My um, room number one clear, Chris
0: two, is... Uh, Chris's full name is what again?
2: Chris Graves.
0: Yeah, and he works, yeah. he's worked on the production with you, I think, since then?
2: Yeah, he's, he's I mean, he... He did all the layout um he does a lot of the like the detail finish work um like you know just everything that you see in the layout he went he was the one who said let's make this look exactly like dungeon master's guide from ad and d and he went and um because he has publishing experience so he went he measured the size of the the font because people keep saying like the font's so tiny and it's like yeah when you were 12 it wasn't You're 14 it wasn't (laughs) it is now Um, (laughs) oh no but yeah, like um, here, let me find a page with that first. Since we're talking about it, I mean, yes. these charts here—uh—are boop, 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 there charts there? Or, yeah, somewhere yeah, there totally are charts. Agree. Okay, yeah, but you see those charts? Those anybody who played AD&D is like, wait a minute, that looks like TSR product. And so <laughs> the the format is exactly the format of the the DMG. So it's very reminiscent for anybody from that era. If you're an AD and D player, you're like, "Oh my god, this is like I'm coming home again after mm-hmm. you know, 40 years or whatever." Um, but the cool thing is that if you go to uh, the first level, I mean, you guys have your books there. Pop those books open and look at that first level map. Um, it, there's a, a rooms one and two, numbered one and two. Uh, room number one, I believe it is, has whites in it. And the and the room next door yeah. to it, and I th- so I think that Greg was rolling up monsters, but I also think he was placing them in in sort of reasonable relationships. You know, my like people have commented that the book, the dungeon, seems chaotic and random, and it's like no room number one has wraiths in it, and next and next door, um, what is it room or room number two? I mean,
0: mm-hmm. room
2: number one, room number one has um some. Uh, a a theergist yep. uh, magic user yeah magic user so clearly there's some relationship between these evil creatures like the you know the 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 wraiths have a relationship there even though they're evil wraiths they've met this evil magic user and he's henchmen, and they're kind of teaming up because they're right you know, there's no way they could exist together right and um, Dan,
1: I, I think uh, I think we were just talking about this in our last episode about slimes. Was it not yeah. Greg who told us the story of like the first ever encounter in yeah. uh, Blackmore? No. Was a bunch of yeah. first levels against a black pudding,
2: which is yeah, best. great pudding back then.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. which is pudding. among the worst monsters been. in in classic D anD. d
2: It still is, yeah. Or maybe and it's. I mean, are any monsters evil in five e? I have to mock Five e It's just so nerfed, you know it's like how can you feel scared and engaged when you just go think, okay, next encounter you
0: know if if I recall correctly, I mean, so I looked this up for our our show about that, and to my to my surprise, the thing that they did with black pudding is that uh. Of course, we all know that it wants to destroy your equipment and armor, right? That's one of the main things. Right. And so, fifth edition is the first edition where they said, "Yep, wants to destroy your armor, but doesn't have any effect on magic stuff." And right, I was like, "Boy, right. that's a big, that's a big uh, safety bumper there." That was the whole well, point. One point. Yeah,
2: but it also has a really serious acid-like effect on people, anything mm-hmm. organic. So uh, right. it was just a good way to like, okay, if if you manage to kill it. If you can get rid of it then you get the magic items that are hidden inside of it it's you know it's the bait right um but did they mention where it comes from
0: uh like it, I, I you should tell us you should tell us okay. for, for <laughs> our it comes
2: from, says he was watching old monster movies old black and white movies when he came up with the idea for the dungeon and so um we're pretty sure. Well, all the guys say that that he based it on the blob from the original black and white movie of the blob. Yep. Yep. So, in a way, a gray pudding makes sense because on the screen you couldn't have just a black thing; it was like this gray, amorphous thing was the blob, <laughs> right? Um, we uh,
0: we opened our show. We opened our show with a clip. So, having having had Greg tell us that, we opened our show uh, two weeks ago with a clip uh, from the Blob. And, okay. um, I, I forgot that was the first, that was the first movie that starred, um, Steve McQueen. Is that right? If I, am I, that, that, do I have that was right? It? I don't
2: yeah, know. It was, I mean, some, it was, it was the sci-fi. famous
0: actors starring rule. I, I think it was, uh, yeah. it was McQueen actually. Um, but, and
2: that's, that's, that whole like combo of sci-fi and, and fantasy yes. and gothic horror, yeah. you know, um, that's the thing I always emphasize is like, you're not running. You know, this isn't just an ordinary place. You're not walking through a hallway in a in an office building. <laughs> you are underground in a terrifying place, and weird things happen. Yeah. And and uh, uh, you know, you go down the passageway, and you're hearing whispering voices, and somebody feels something touch their hair, and they're, you know, what is it? And you have to park cobwebs, and you have to create this environment for your players, and get them, you know, and you ask them for saving throws, but there's nothing there. It's just like, give me a saving throw. And they're like, yeah. Oh. You know? And so you create this feeling. And so when I, when I was running, what I wanted to get to was when I ran the um, first few sessions of uh, um Borg. I mean, the, the, the brutality of the dungeon was amazing. And, and, and part of it was that the players got into situations. There are toads on the first level. And I didn't know how to you know, I statted them kinda like A D and D, so they were these four hit dice things and they move fast and they chomp hard. And uh they lost so many characters in the toad room in on, on level that might be level two. But um on level one, they got to the wraiths and it was like, okay, let's send the thief down. We'll have the thief listen at the doors. And so the thief listens at the far door and doesn't hear anything because it's undead, right? So then the fighter goes down and they knock the door open and suddenly it's like, oh, oh crap, we're first level players. These are race. they're like four hit die monsters. Their chances of hitting us are like, you know, really good. We're done for. So they bolt for it, but they don't, you know, they still get one attack as they're running away. And uh, and the thief got the death touch and just like, ding, and missed his saving throw and lost his level of experience and and crumpled on the floor and the fighter was just like, I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> and so that i mean that's it was just like epic old D D, where the players go in thinking they're badasses and they open a door and they're like oh, right so and they just you know they just fought a bunch of evil high priests and they were like oh, they were already thrashed like the the adventure i think lasted four rooms or something that day it just happened to work out that way um
0: we we, we have that experience a lot, and our friend Max has a good story, even with the, the, the keep on, you know, Gygax's keep on the Borderlands. He's had new players and maybe they've played fifth edition before and they just assume that they can take on anything, you know, in small batches. And they quickly right. you know, they have their first TPK. And I, to, for me, I feel like one of the really, really great things about watching players learn old school to see them get better real fast they take they take the lesson and then they come in and very rapidly they're much better players and they're more they're more cautious and they're more strategic and they're more cunning and they're more diabolical frankly and i i personally get my jollies off seeing my players get better real fast because they have to it
2: makes you play better <laughs> right when you when yeah. you realize that you can't just go trumping in there and do whatever and you just like roll the dice and win and you go to the next thing it's like no you could the whole party could get tpk'd uh, in the first room, my first dungeon DMing experience, I basically TPK'd a party in a room full of giant rats in uh Zenopus dungeon. They decided to go north and then they went a little bit west and they came to the giant rat room and that was it. I was just rolling so hot, you know, it was just like yep. 18, the fighters, I mean, the AC two fighters were down and the rest of the party was like, oh crap, you know, and it was like four giant rats is all
0: now for me in that same dungeon it was the giant spider so me running the, the exact okay. same dungeon was my first dungeon and had a player go to the giant spider room which which it was actually gygax who cranked it up compared to what holmes put in there and oh, really? wiped out okay. wiped out the party and there's a right right after that there's a dead end room so the one the one character who is still alive says i escaped ran through the door, right ran right. into the dead end room and we 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 paused we pa we we permanently paused the game at that point. So now, forty years later, as far as we know, he's still maybe in he there out, Maybe he didn't. But yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, if the spider was already eaten a lot, it might just ignore him. You know, he might have gotten maybe, by yeah. if he just waited till it right. got done munching a little bit. Yeah. That's hilarious. I feel like the other though. thing
0: that happens is when you start as as a younger person, when you start out like it didn't even occur to me to fudge the dice. It was like, here's the rules, and I'm very literal, and bam, bam, yeah. bam, and the whole party goes down, and that's what the book says. Mm-hmm. And uh it's it's interesting mm-hmm. to over the years to kind of contend with how much you're gonna fudge the fudge the dice with.
2: Yeah. So um I don't know. I mean, it was exciting to be running the dungeon. Um, my party, the other thing was that they sort of lost track. Players get excited when they find stairways a lot of dungeons are designed uh sort of in a linear fashion it's like clear level one and then there's a stair at the end and you go down to the next level it's like a video game this thing has got uh stairways everywhere and if you've got adventurous players like i do um they took a stairway from like the second level or no it was from the first level i think there's a stairway on the first level that goes down to like a fourth level um yep And, uh, and what's cute about this dungeon is that the actual, the main entrance, there are a couple entrances. And if you are guided, um, to the main entrance, you start on the second level. So your first level players on the second level, so you're already screwed. And then you take a stairwell. Uh, they took a stairwell down to the fourth level and they'd found a magic wand, which I determined was flawed. And so it was like the, the wand of, I think I told you about the wand of flower balls. And, and yes. fur balls. yeah. Yes. So
0: they're like, so tell us and again. They ran tell us What does that do exactly?
2: Oh, yeah. oh it's just a wand. Like I gave them a stick, and I said, "Wanda," like with a sharpie, I wrote "Wanda," oh, and then <laughs> some scribbles, like so. And they're so they see it, and they're like, "Wanda fireballs, yay!" And it's like I roll a die on a one or a two, it's fireballs. Three or four, it's a uh, flower balls, just petunias go spraying everywhere. And, um, you have to wade through them though. And then the last one is, is fur balls. Like a giant, it's like, like the wand is like, oh, 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 and it shoots a giant, like cat puke. Yeah. It's disgusting. I know <laughs> it's disgusting, but, um, so they were down there and they ran into, they wandered, they took the stairs and now they, they have no clue. They're down on maybe the sixth level of the dungeon or the fourth level. I mean, they're down there They're first levels. And they, the first thing they run into is a black pudding. So the wizard's like, I got it taken care of. I got the wand. <laughs> and he fires petunias all over the the, the really? black pudding. And um, all they really did was run away and run back to the stairs and go back up to the, the upper levels at that point. Because yeah. they were just like, like, this is a really bad place. Um, <laughs> but I do a lot Call of, me. you know...
0: Could you pull up the the image, uh, the slice of the sixth level that uh, comes yeah. out of sample document? So, oh, um, yeah. so, this, so this is out of your sample document there, and it's like half of the sixth level there. Hopefully, we're not giving away too many spoilers. Pretty, I'm pretty sure oh, everybody that watches this show is a DM, cool. frankly. I so so it's so the players right, right. probably get inflicted on this by DMs running board. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of interconnections. So I think that all of those little grids with little slices in it are stairs i think yeah and see uh, that
2: the m down on the bottom the lower right that so that's a shaft shaft.
0: going through multiple levels right it's
2: got stone stone like kind of like a ladder stone ladder built into the side you can climb all the way down to the 10th level you know but the thing about this dungeon is like you see i don't know if this sample shows any curved stairs but there are a lot of stairs that will on one level they're curved and on the next level they're straight. And so you have to really imagine that these things are about 50 feet. I was talking to somebody else about this on another show, like, um, the original, um, the original, uh, uh, underworld and wilderness adventures. Um, it has sort of a, a profile view of what a dungeon should look like. And so you have to imagine it that these, these spaces between the levels are at least 50 feet. This is not a modern apartment building this is like an ancient place and in fact you know we would draw like long long ramp passages so the players didn't notice that they were like going down a level and stuff like that to trick them right um um so yeah i mean there's a. uh so yeah going down you know you're going to go down a thousand feet to go down that shaft and then you're in a really bad place because you're on the 10th level and it's there's are, like, Balrogs everywhere. It's just Balrog heaven, you know, and fire. There's a sign of I w- fire giants are down there, like, bathing in lava. Like
0: There's a there's a lot of, somewhere in this this map here, this is only the sixth level, but the, one of the rooms that we're looking at has a Balrog in it. And I'm not going to tell tell people who, where yeah. it is, but, um, yeah. you know, this, this slice right here has a Balrog and a horrible ochre jelly and trolls and a wizard and stuff like that. Um when we had you know when we had Greg on he he did say that to his recollection most of Tarrasborg was relying on random rolls and he said that uh the layout yeah. uh was a series exactly. of tables yeah, yeah yeah he said he had a series of tables from Dave Arneson. Mm-hmm. and apparently those tables are, are are lost which which I which I'm personally sad about but the interesting thing is um you know at one point in the distant past I made a computer program to randomly generate 3D dungeons. And uh-huh. for whatever reason, it wound up you know, highly interconnected. And there was like lots of things down and lots of things up. And there were places that to access them, right. you had to come in, right. you had to go down over and then back up was like the only way to get to parts of the first level. Um, and it, this was very reminiscent, I think, of those systems that, um, and I, I think it's really interesting and intriguing and puzzly in a way that i wouldn't if i was designing it myself by hand i wouldn't come up with all those inner interconnections and i think it's really interesting to have them and to have yeah. this you know part of the challenge navigating the whole up down and a lot of freedom to get yourself in trouble
2: well and uh, you know like if you want to go over here in the dungeon it might be easy you know like we know we've been down here we've got a lot of it mapped we know that the balrog and like 50 orcs are over there cuz we We were like, we're not going to go there. So we can, you know, maybe it's safer if we go down to the 8th level and take some hallways and then come up back up in the 7th or 6th level and go to this other area of it, you know. Um, The hallways really should be like highways around the dungeon. They shouldn't just be uh, lead from room to room to room. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I mean, people talk about dungeon ecology, and I guess there's some whole modern. I mean, we thought about that stuff back, I remember being... 15 or 16 and thinking like, well, is it reasonable to have this many creatures here and and then realizing, well, yeah, because otherwise the dungeon is going to be really boring and we want to have fun, you know, um, I mean, all that stuff, I even remember thinking about like, gee, we're going into places and murdering people. (laughs) This is not very wholesome. It's like, okay, it's just a game, you know, we're just going to do this. It's
0: fun, Um,
2: but, um yeah I don't know the, the 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 dungeon is fantastic i mean running it as a as a dungeon master i added passages i added there were places where I didn't really have a lot of guidance at the time, and so I would just do my own interpretation of what was there um and i added passages there're like these te- temples to these like evil gods down there that i've added in um there's a you know i they call it i hate the term gonzo but um Humorous humorous stuff. Like I have the magic door named Isidore. And uh Isidore, you open Isidore and you end up in in, like you're not in the dungeon anymore, you're in this other dimension. And there's several dimensions depending upon whether you turn the knob this way, whether you push or pull. And uh it's you know. So yeah, is a great place to find, but you gotta go down to like the sixth level to get to Isidore and you've got by then you've like been brutalized by everything. But um um what else? I don't know. It's just—it was just exciting to run it and and know that we were sort of making this sort of like we were doing something that was historically relevant as far as RPGs. We were reviving this ancient dungeon that nobody ever hardly anybody had ever seen. Um, I think the only people that might have seen the maps were Dave Arneson, probably saw the maps, um, Greg Svensson, and maybe David McGarry. Everybody else just saw fragments from playing in the dungeon and. Um, if you've seen uh, the, have you seen McGarry's character matrix? Like 20 I characters on, on two sides of I a have. piece of paper.
0: I think uh, I the reposted it on my blog a while back, yeah.
2: There are some players on there there that are, you know, they died in Tannisborg, it says where they died, it says Tannisborg. So we know, like like in McGarry's uh, character sheet, he's got 20 characters and they're all from somewhere between about 1971 to 1973, you know, maybe not really. I think he left the Twin Cities before, maybe before '74. Um, so we have a, like a real insight into this, and here's this dungeon that's one of the first places where like he lost his his character, and he he distinctly remembers that he lost his character to a Hydra, and there's only one Hydra in there, so we know that. That's the room where McGarry lost his character, it was in this dungeon there. That's,
0: So that's actually in the slice that we're looking at right now. So, uh, and it's a lovely little detail in the book, actually. So that's actually, uh, area 16, which is the uh-huh. uh, big room on the right, yeah. actually. Um, yeah. and you've got, you've got it in the book here. It goes a bit of history. Greg ran a session of Tonnesburg for Dave McGarry, uh, which one of David's favorite characters in the early days, the Scholaris met her end fighting a seven-headed hydra single-handedly that's that's courageous that's either courageous yeah. or foolhardy and um <laughs> as as this is the only room in the dungeon with seven-headed hydra it seems certain that this is the room where the scholarus died so the referees may find it fun to include the scholars's remains in the room of contents not much more than a skeleton
2: yeah yeah or maybe you know you can gather the bones and see if you can have them like uh you know there's a there's several there's resurrection but there's also regeneration so maybe you could regenerate with the bones and revive the scholar's character oh. you know Rage. yeah Rage. um um i don't know it's 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 a lovely lovely dungeon uh the v the v areas i use letter v dan was like why would you use v and i was like well it's lava it's volcanic but the v areas are like uh there are these shafts that go through about four levels and so on the top they're just rising hot air and noxious gases and things but if you were to fall in you'd fall all the way to the 10th level but at the 10th level it's a lava pit it's like a pit with lava at the bottom of it and so you'd fall into this pool of lava and that that's bad um and uh um so they're kind of it's interesting because they're all it's still vertical like that um i put encounters a lot of times i put encounters in, in the stairwells like there'll be something written on the wall or the i even put uh little uh landings inside the stairwells when i run it so the my players will go down like 20 feet and then they'll come to a landing which is almost like a room and there might be somebody there they encounter or who knows what or a trap or something and uh and i like to just fill the mean you know, I. The book we talk—you've read the part about like just dungeon decor and using like uh the environmental elements, like like even like sort of micro weather environments of like rain or fog, or you know you're going down a passage and it's just it's so humid it's just dripping with water as you go through, or or you go through some area and that's it's very cold, so instead of being drippy with water, it's got like icicles and floor is slippery and um or there might be a lot of fog like it's just you know the middle of the room has sort of a a natural like perfect humidity and temperature to create a fog bank in the middle of the room and you don't know what's in there um that kind of stuff um we talk a lot about that in the book uh is sort of decorating it most dungeons you just look at the map and you can't really know what's there and so we talk a lot about we don't know what was there. Aside from Greg's notes, I think if you look at the, uh, the map levels, his original maps, they might say like there's on level one, there's one area and it says wet area. And it's where the there are some toads, I think down that secret passage. Um, and so when my players ran into the wet area, yeah, it's level one. When my players ran into the wet area, um, which is room number four, I described how there were mushrooms growing all over. Walls and some of them were innocent and and uh, Chris's character. These might be useful. I'm a wizard, right? So he picked a bunch of mushrooms in the first hallway, and uh, stashed them, thinking they might use them. You know, he might use them to make potions or cast spells or something. You don't know something I'd have to think of later with him.
0: But right, um, totally.
2: Um, but there's nothing in there to say that, right? It's just like that's that's what the DM does: is you add you add to the experience um anyway going it's very rest, it's
0: very yeah. improvisational That can be a very improvisational uh yeah I mean, you like slow
2: down to look at your environment it's not like you're just marching through like we fill the thing we go through the next thing you know um very it's uh the you have to create that sense of exploration and you have to slow players down and make them aware that there could be traps anywhere that's the other thing i add in is is traps in places that aren't on the maps and things like that um, my bad guys are really partial to taking uh, humans that they capture and flaying them and creating just curtains that they hang in the hallways made out of human flesh with faces and hands and stuff sewn into them and that's always a delightful thing to s- just creep out your players with um, and it also creates a barrier you can't see through so it's like at the ten of people and like what's back there you know something that jumps out at you. Um, so
0: this is the point in every episode where Dan points out that D&D is essentially a horror game at its root. That's what um, I've
2: been telling everybody. I mean, I have a whole blog post about that, you know. D&D is gothic horror, right? It's yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's all the things that that go bump in the night and scare you and um and then I talk like I don't know that we talk a lot about technique like players get used to the things that go bump in the night. So then they learn to like deal with the things in front of them and it's like, yeah, but then you put something in front of them that lures them in and you have the thing that drops off the ceiling onto their head you know or something um and and i don't know you just the deflection move you create situations with deflection, so the players have to be more careful my players every every door they open they're like hey, is there anything on the ceiling <laughs> and they're like, you know griff griff socks And there's going to be something on (laughs) the ceiling, or, you know, it's like Griff is out to kill us. And it's like, I'm not really out to kill them, but it's like, yeah, if it happens, you know, I will rub my hands together with glee when you fall for a trap. Um,
0: But um, I feel like you have to, um, you have to, you have to lean into the kayfabe of, uh... Even if you know, frankly, it hurts. Personally, it hurts me when a player character dies. But I, in in game, I have to play the DM character and and right.
2: Uh, you and have to
0: act like that's yeah. not act, like that's not the case because I feel bad
2: the, when, like a I, when you know players die. Yeah, right? that's why I give everybody two characters and run huge parties. You know, like um, I think I talked about this on the last show. It's like when I go to Gary Con, everybody gets a character. I run groups of twelve players through Borg. and when they lose characters, like, I don't know, I ran, I ran a group through Tannis Borg where one guy, the he was running the Hobbit and he was too rash and fell into a pit and died with a bunch of skeletons. And, uh, which isn't part of the key for them. It's like a special area I designed for my Tannis Borg, You should, you know, you get the book and you make your Tannis Borg. Um, but, um, so the next thing I knew everybody was like, he should play the mules, so <laughs> the halflings playing the mule. Right. Um, and that was, you know, and it was great because the mule actually was sort of a, a MacGuffin. It was not just a mule; it was extra smart, and it had the, the ability to smell treasure. And so uh, it was perfect to be able to hand that off instead of having it be like sort of an NPC that I would run and let a player be, become a mule. Um, so he was happy because he got, you know, it's not like he was out of the game. He got another character that he could uh, be irresponsible with.
0: And Paul, that's, that's similar to what you do like at a convention game now, right?
1: I definitely always run with, with spare characters uh, you know, on the side right, to bring in after the fact. Um, and I kind of just hand wave them showing up. I mean, it sounds like if you're talking about characters, I guess I'm curious, actually. If you say if you have two characters per player, are, they, are all the characters present and they're jumping back and forth between them or are they bringing them in? Oh, well, like if I As have, needed. if I'm running
2: the house group, we yeah. ranges between like um, six and eight people. Well, last time, maybe four to eight, depends on who shows up. Some people are running two characters, some people are running one character. Um, for a while, like Paul and Rosa seemed to alternate. So Paul would just run Rosa's characters when she wasn't there, and she'd run them when he was there. Or if they both showed up, they'd each just take one of the characters and run them um so they i mean it's just you know we're pretty magnanimous and just like here have my character you can run this you know like i got the magic user here's the fighter you can run the fighter and then um um like in conventions i have the mule you know there's there are other critters in the party that may not seem like they could be characters but if we need to have an extra character there's no reason why the dwarf's pet rat doesn't get to be you know somebody doesn't get to be the pet rat if they get killed They don't get, you know. They can they can still play and interact. You know, it's like I mean, the rat would be the perfect snoop to like send the rat down the hallway or, you know, to listen and see if they can find out anything about what's down there and come back and, you know,
0: and then they can do like you know you were were, that would be great. You you were talking about traps uh, that you added a second ago, and actually, is a really good um, question by one of our viewers. I'm going to throw up on screen here. So. Um Joshua Macy uh, was asking exactly, how do you run the traps um I'm presuming not just save to avoid damage so like when a trap springs, do you roll to see if it springs because that's in the original book at one point i usually is it just, do that is it just automatic do is, damage do they get saving throws is it ability checks
2: i like well like traps spring on a one or a two right so on in o d and d um and so to me, that means like if it doesn't spring, like the person maybe didn't step on the three you know didn't break the trick wire they didn't step on the tile that triggers it and so it's like the next person in line <laughs> i mean it's like right. a lottery you know as you go through the passage who gets the spear through the head um, um i ran a demo and one of the guys caught the spear actually the guy had retired and so the other players were running his character and i was like why don't you make his characters go through the door first and and you know he got the one to two on the first time through and. Was impaled on the spear kind of indiana jones style and um so yeah i do that you know um um i mean the traps i kind of do i kind of have dialed them back a little bit because i hate killing characters on a trap so like on the first and second level the traps might be half a d6 damage so most of the time you're not um harming a character um I have some home rules like, like hit points, you know, if you have a high constitution, what I do is I, I average your constitution into the die roll. So like you cannot roll less than a certain amount. Like if you're an average character with an 11, you cannot roll less than a three or four on your hit dice because your constitution is high stuff like that to kind of bring the character, the PCs up a little bit. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of fun to have PCs that have just one hit point and watch them go through. Um, the rules i mean even the rules on hit points talk about vagueness in rules when i first read the, the original dnd i was curious about whether you got to reroll your hit points before each adventure session because it wasn't very clear and i was like well seems kind of sucky that you you know like you roll a 1 and you're always a 1 right maybe next time you're because like, the hit points are kind of like a luck system, maybe your biorhythms are good this week, and you get to reroll roll <laughs> last week, you know, maybe you'd had a cold or something, and you were you only had one hit point but um but back to the trap thing, yeah, when I run traps, it's a die roll to see if you if you trigger it um mm-hmm. I do a lot of little uh little traps that don't do a lot of damage, but uh cause the players to get worn down um I hate to do the like you know you you fall in the pit to your death sort of stuff um, not that I haven't done it, not that I haven't had it done to me um, you know the main thing with the traps is that players most traps that I rig up you know it's it's you figure the main hallways are ha- heavily traversed by these creatures wandering through and and so any traps that are there are are gonna be pretty basic like a pit with spikes in the bottom or something like that, the the really lethal stuff, the minute you go through a secret door, you're in a hidden ancient place. Like maybe it's a tomb or a temple, or, you know, I mean, that's the thing about the the mega dungeons are, are sort of like, um, trying to think, you know, it's like the Fibonacci, like very recursive. You've got this main thing, but then there are these little things. And then there are these little things Mm -hmm. and little things like a fragment yeah they're very much like a fractal so like you go into the temple and you find the big first we go through the secret door we find the temple or maybe it's just obvious then we find a secret door we find the hidden antechamber where they do the really spooky stuff and then somebody sees something on the floor and we realize that we can lift that slab up but now we're in the tomb complex then we're in the tomb complex and we find a, a crypt and in the wall you know if you're lucky you find a little secret door into the real crypt where the real treasure is. So, you, you know, you, you, let, you conceal Let me play things.
0: Devil's Advocate. Uh, per, so personally, I love that kind of fractal wheels and wheel, wheels within wheels. Let me just play Devil's Advocate for a second because I've seen I a counter-argument, points. right? That's, I, so I've seen people counter-argue of, like, if, if the interesting stuff is behind Secret Door 1, 2, 3, 4, and it's hard to get to, the players might not get to it. And yeah. isn't that wasting content? And and no. and shouldn't we, shouldn't we make the game about the thing the game's about? What's what's the response I don't care to about that? the
2: players? I just have fun making the dungeons. <laughs> like, and I I read there I think both Gary and Dave talked about A and B switching, where they would make a dungeon and if there was like a really interesting thing over here, right? Um, they would just like move it. <laughs> if the players went over there, and it's like, eh, put it over there, you know, um. And so they encounter it anyway, like I had a dungeon where I had this really wonderful hidden room, the players never found it. And I was like, I'm just, you know, that's a great idea. I haven't used it yet. I'm just going to reuse it. It was the magic da flying dagger that like I had this table and had stuff. And the minute you touch the dagger, it's like this AC two, you know, 1d4 hit point flying creature that's attacking the party. And they were like, oh, and it was a room full of magic treasures and gems and things. It was like a wizard's study they just left they didn't know how what it was going to you know it was like it was just a dagger it just did one to four damage but they were convinced it was just going to brutalize them and they were just like okay we're out of here you know and and that's the point is like you want to have things that players go like you know we're going to take a buy on that one we're out of here if they find it and but yeah i think you know you 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 I don't know if you get a good idea and the players don't find it just recycle it somewhere else you know um most players even if they were even if you were to take the same idea and recycle it in another room they probably wouldn't even realize that you just basically copied yourself three months later so it doesn't matter um um yeah
0: i've gone both ways with that i actually have i've i've, I've done that successfully and i've done that unsuccessful and i actually have had players recognize but uh, maybe I, maybe I, maybe I could have done it better. Maybe I should have shaken it up more.
2: Well, the difference <laughs> is, is that we used to do, I mean, if you know that you're, let's say you're doing the scenario-based, um, like the Temple of the Frogs type scenario, like we're going to go down there. We have a, an express purpose for being here. We're going down to the, the Temple of the Shiny Monkey Statue. We know they've got the Shiny Monkey Statue down there, and it's magical and powerful. It's some great artifact. Well, if it's really hidden, which it should be, um, that means we got to keep going back to we find it because we know it's there and we know they have it we just haven't found it yet right and by the same token um if you're doing like a mega dungeon the whole point you know back in the day the the discovery of the dungeon created a, a real fascination with the experience of the and i think it's what paul's talking about the gothic horror experience um we still We were watching all these old black and white movies and there was that feeling from those old vincent price movies and so it's very titillating and there's that whole sense of we're exploring we're discovering places um my cat's sneezing um poor guy um and uh yeah. I don't know how loud it is on camera. It's like it's really it's loud. It's pretty loud.
0: I, I think we just discovered where the Wanda Furballs came from, frankly. Yeah, it's the Wanda Furballs.
2: Yeah. Franco. No, he actually isn't much of a puker. He's more of a sneezer. Um oh dear. So anyway, um where was I going with that? Oh the mega dungeon thing though is is uh it, we were so fascinated with that that people did create these mega dungeons. It was it was uh, world exploration just didn't seem as compelling as going down to the dungeons the way it was presented in, in early on, um, and so every DM had a mega dungeon that they started. I mean, they might have started with just one to three levels. My first dungeon, I, it ended up being nine levels. It was just like a couple levels at first on a couple scraps of, like I, you know, I just had scraps of uh, graph paper torn out of a book. I didn't think it would go any further than that. Next thing I know, it's like, these are the first levels of this mega dungeon. that's nine levels, levels deep. And I got a card file with cards for every room with, with the descriptions of everything. Um, and so, uh, finding secret doors is that that's the other thing about finding secret doors is they sh- players shouldn't always find the secret door because if they're, if they're trying to sort of, if they're doing like a campaign against the, the underworld. Um, they're going to keep coming back. And so this time, maybe they didn't see it, but maybe next time, you know, or another group of adventurers will come across it and find it and explore that area. Um,
1: I think the concerns around that, around the, the, the notion of, I mean, I like the idea that the players are going to continue to come back, like if they're in the Golden Monkey Temple, they know the Golden Monkey's in there somewhere. But I feel yeah. like that really only works when you're talking about the context of an ongoing campaign where time is theoretically infinite. Right, where you're going, we're going to play forever, as far as we know, or until we're just so bored right, or, right. or, you know, whatever, somebody else takes over. And the, the context deer. of that problem really shifts when you start talking about convention games or tournament games or anything where it's time limited. Right, suddenly everybody's very, well, unhappy. I think that you
2: have to understand that your you're, one four hour hmm.
1: session. Yeah, the,
2: the, the the pay, you're talking about payoffs i mean i see people yeah. talking I like there are all these new terms that i see i just was on looking at something on twitter and somebody was talking about they talk about all these story terms and like we got to create stories and we need to make sure the players have this and that and you know payoffs i mean in screenwriting they're like payoffs i think is what they call them it's like you know uh um and and i don't think it's relevant i think that you have a real world setting and you create these things and and uh if they find it, they find it. If they don't, they don't. i I mean I'm trying to think. There's a giant oak tree in our neighborhood. Or no, it's not an oak tree, it's a cottonwood. And I was walking over to visit Chris and one night I came back um from there and uh, I spotted this tree and it I was just like this is gigantic. This is the biggest tree I've ever seen, right? And it was like this man I like I found and then a, a weeks later, uh, I I took my girlfriend to see it. And the lady who lived next door happened to come out her door and she was like that's uh elwood or something like that like the tree has a name she's like he is the tallest tree in denver colorado he's like and she was like 80 years old and she was like i have this photograph of me as a baby my parents are holding me i'm two years old and he's huge already wow and and uh, (laughs) um and my so my point with that is that i had walked by that tree a million times and not seen it and and i just happened to be walking at night and the light was just perfect i mean it looks like the sort of tree the animals would build their little platforms in and live in you know the thing is just enormous and um um and so yeah i mean if you know you create it here and they don't find it they don't find it i don't care i i got so many ideas i mean i got more ideas than i can run my players through you know um i mean how many you know how many encounters can your players go through and how many encounters have you created in all your time playing RPGs? Like how many of them, you know, do you just I, I think there's a desire to use them up when you're new, but when you get older, you're like, I don't care, I'll just
1: I'll use it with somebody
2: else, you know. Um so yeah. I I am totally against that whole like It's like, why even bother having a secret door if you always open the secret door? There's no point to that. Um, um which is kind of my big complaint with like 5e. Perception checks is they've made it too easy to find things. You know, you get six players who have really good perception ability; they're all rolling together. Somebody's going to spot the the Guga. Um, and so, um, yeah. This, you know, what's the point? It's I, I like the uh, and the, and this is just a a, a a difference in in it's a stylistic difference in how we play in the old way or in the more traditional manner. Um, we like I more uh we like to gamble. You know, it's like Yeah. More of an all okay. or nothing. Yeah. We're going to Vegas, you know, the haunted house with the Vegas feeling. I mean when you nail it, it's like when you run into a bad monster and your odds of hitting it are really bad, but you just nail it and and you hit it for lots of damage. You know, it's just like oh
0: I, I agree that those are the memorable times. The memorable times are yeah. times when something frankly shouldn't have happened and did and those are the, the those I think for me those are the times that I actually remember. You know, right, so as right. we get into like the last 10 minutes that we have available here. So we got some, you know, We I got uh, hours. Comments. I
2: think you guys are the ones with we, time issues, but
0: <laughs> you, you, I I, I I I think you, we know that you have stuff you need to do, Griff. Um No, we, no, um, this is it.
2: Like so, you said, are you going to do a show with us and I was like <laughs> I like got my calendar and I blocked out eight hours when I'd be on their show. We're doing a marathon.
0: Well, maybe you could join us in the Discord chat, perhaps afterwards that we have with our. Uh, yeah, figure um, out how to
2: use Discord. Send me a link. I'll join you.
0: Okay, we'll try to, we'll try know to make that happen there
2: anyway. That'll it'll explain why, why my Twitter feed goes dead after this. They're all in your Discord chat, dabbing. <laughs> <T. laughs> That's
0: great. Um, so I got to, um, among the comments I'm looking at. So John Miller is is you know a pr- giving high praise to the Tonnesborg product, and he's asking. The, the main thing is John's got a comment. I can only see half of it. Unfortunately, he's got a question about Greg right. using the random uh, generator developed by Arneson. We we touched on that briefly. So John, if you could like write the 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 rest of your question again for me to see, maybe we could get that to Griff. But um, uh, a, a little while ago, I think I, mean... I know what you're going to say.
2: Arneson made I think some charts.
0: Right, right. And Cal okay. wants so to know when Cal... the Kickstarter
2: starts. Um, right. We're about to start it. We just need to iron out one little thing. And we thought we would try doing a 5E expansion for it. So we're waiting for the guy. Um, the guy. It's our buddy Bob Weldon. He does um, 5E modules and stuff. Um, so we're waiting for Bob to get back to us and let us know sort of the parameters of that before we can submit it for approval. And then once Bob gets back to us and we add that text into the Kickstarter, we're launching it and we're going to go. Um, Great. And at that point, and we're not really on a timeline because you have to submit it for approval. That could be like three days. I don't know. It could be 30 minutes for all I know. They just um, they have to look at what you're doing to make sure you aren't a bad person. Um, and so uh, <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> there are a lot of bad people. the yeah, we're really bad. We like do kickstarters and we f- actually fulfill them. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of people not fulfilling kickstarters out there and I'm like, didn't you have a product before you started the thing? It's like, no, we're going to develop it now when we get the money.
1: Yeah.
0: No, yeah. No. We have And is this one going to be the same uh design? Is it going to be another hard copy There's- hard cover printing or will be soft cover this time maybe? We have, well,
2: each edition is unique because of like just sourcing problems. Right. So the purples, um, uh, we were going to do all purple. We had to do some teal because we couldn't source uh, fabric for those. Um, so there are some teals also, and then there are black covers. Um, these are the red cover ones that we sold through our website. Um, they were on there for about a year. People had to wait a year to get the printing. Once we got enough orders, we did a printing. And these are different because they have red cover with the gold and they have like 80-pound paper instead of 70-pound paper like yours does because we couldn't get 70-pound paper for the life of us. It was just like we're waiting like a month for paper. And finally, the printer was like, you want to do – so they actually – these cost more to to make because the paper was heavier and and they're thicker. I mean, I got a – well, I know. I got a pile of books here, but it's thicker, you know. And so the – Next printing, what we're doing is um, we're going to have, we we over-ordered since we were worried about being able to get more. And so the Kickstarter will have a small supply of, we're going to sell a couple purples at a premium price. So we're going to sell one black cover, which only 20 were made of those, 25 were made of those at an even more premium premium price. And, uh, but you'll have, we'll also have these red covers as a, a quick ship. So we've got like about 80 that we can quick ship. So the first 80 people for the same price as a regular one, you can get a quick ship that's already ready to go. Um, and then the other ones, people will have to just wait till they're fabricated based on orders. And uh, hopefully that'll go on the faster side. Um, we don't know. I mean, we're dealing with, with, a, with an industry that is sort of dying. You know, the, the hardbound book, the, real, the handmade hardbound book industry is dying um and and there aren't very many people that can do that so if we put in like if the kickstarter is really successful let's say we do a thousand orders for that might be a couple months before someone gets their book because we just don't have the people to manufacture these (laughs) you know we don't have a giant assembly line it's like three people um so uh but you know i mean i I don't know, everybody I talk to when they see this, they're like, Oh yeah, I've got D D and Pathfinder books that pretty much exploded a couple months after I got it. And these things right. I'm not gonna do that. Um, these are really well made. Um so I mean I'll let you guys talk about it. I mean I you've got to you got a copy you look at it. It's it's a it is a real book. It is not um uh, print on demand garbage with a cardboard cover.
0: Um, I agree it's among it's among the nicest printed books that I in my library honestly and I I love the original uh, versions of Greg's uh, maps and the expanded versions and Dan's rule set at the end and it's a it it is a super nice product it really is. Yeah. I mean
2: if you look at the old uh, the old D&D the AD&D books they they are still um I have one that is like in pristine condition. My Monster yep. manual that's got so much play but it is still binding is still solid and it is you know it is a nice book um so you know the old the old the old methods really is proof that they hold up um That's so the books were
0: for at one point <laughs> yeah
2: you know archival papers and and uh yeah. you know yeah and 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 well, and, and real gonna... craft people assembling it by hand so that each one is quality controlled by you know it's not just killing through a, yep. a machine. It's, it's a gorgeous. It it's a gorgeous
1: book, Griff. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here though and say we're we are just about out of time here. Did, is there any last well, what happens thing when we go overtime? Like if we go
2: overtime, what happens? Is uh, I, like just a, like I just cut straight to credits. I just <laughs> <of> Nope. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, look it's for the Kickstarter. To Hopefully,
2: in this next week, we'll have it activated. It'll be really up to up to Kickstarter when they approve it. The minute we get approval, we'll go go live um awesome and if you want to get a book that's uh already made and have it shipped right away when the kickstarter ends there's this doesn't cost more there's going to be like 80 books available plus the three purples and one black um and then what else i mean that's it you know i feel like i say the same things every time i'm on but um i appreciate you guys having me on i watch paul he's like looking at his screen so he looks so disinterested (laughs) you should put the screen over so at least. (laughs) Or put it so you look like you're looking at my window, because you're always just kind of looking off to the side, all dejected. "Mm, This is a great show. Paul's
0: running a lot of technology. Uh, Paul has a lot of. of Paul runs all the tech, (laughs) audio, video, time, everything. Let him
2: be on screen or something. You should put up an icon. I could not
0: juggle all the things that Paul does on a daily basis.
2: (laughs) And I (laughs) sent you other images. Can you at least put some other images up from the book? Like I know we're almost at an hour, but you started late. I got, I get another five minutes. You started late. (laughs)
1: <laughs> um, but that's, can you just throw
2: some of the had. other stuff up there that we have as you threw I, the map? I, I, that's, every, the
0: that's everything from the sample. That's everything from the sample that was that was sent over uh, the other day. So the unfortunately, PDF. at the moment, you that's the whole,
2: have. like you had the, the index. It's only you got two the, images the, in it. <laughs> Yeah, but the index is full of like the headers on the index like that should be full screen. You should look at the index. That's the cool.
0: cool I say that we have a link to your website in the uh, description uh-huh. on YouTube with all the other stuff you've got, and people should go uh, follow the link over to yeah. the Secrets of Blackmore site. Get on the mailing list. See all list, that stuff that we're talking yeah. about.
2: Yeah, the, there's 80 books that are going to be pre uh, uh, quick ship and if you're not on the mailing like that's the first place we're gonna like hammer is the mailing list so if you get on the mailing list you'll be the first to know i gotta get in there and get a quick ship before anybody else does um is there anything i missed when we talked about all this because we kind of babbled a lot
1: i think we got it viewers that's yeah i I think we're good viewers if, if you're looking for those links they should be in the description of the uh video here on youtube uh and certainly we will uh update or, or watch our channel for updates as the kickstarter goes live we'll make sure to get that information out to you as, as soon as it's available
2: and all those people out there uh, that are like oh don't kill my character it's character building to like experience yeah. character death a lot so yeah. there's a pun intended in that um it's good news <laughs> and learn to come back like most people that are successful fail a lot before they succeed there's no like easy easy ride so and learn and of course learn viewers should
0: remember story. that uh you can like follow and subscribe to us the wandering dms uh and we're on youtube and twitch and twitter and facebook and github and tiktok and we have the handle wandering dms and all of the sites so you should uh follow us there and we'll get updates on uh great guests like griff morgan and the next time we have another great guest on
2: wait 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 wait! Yeah. i you it, can't just cut me off you can't just cut me off i got to show you my favorite art in here we got a lot of go good ahead. art we got a lot of good art, but there's one. Well, there's well, two. Well, like. for
1: the image here, viewers. If you prefer to listen Definitely. to our shows in audio well, on the podcast format, lot. you can get this those podcasts
2: at can our website at
1: wanderingdms.com.
2: Okay, he's going to cut me off any second now. Like, there's all this cool (laughs) art in here.
1: Oh, You you can also find our podcasts on sites such as Google (laughs) Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, If you are listening to us on one of those sites right now, please take a moment to rate and review us on that site. That helps other users of that site find us, and we really
2: appreciate it. this is good. It does. Oh, Vaughn Allen. Von Allen comics. Among
1: He's the really reasons
0: good. why we keep to a good schedule is we always have after show chat with our patrons who support Wandering DMs. And boy, we really no, appreciate their support man. a lot. If, um, if, uh, if you're new to the show and you want to join them, please go to patreon.com slash wandering DMs. And uh, Paul and I are always there at about 10 past the hour to uh, continue the discussion live with our viewers. And we'll look forward to that. You know, other shows coming up this week, actually. Uh, I'm going to be back tomorrow night uh, playing uh, Pool of Radiance, other Gold Box games, and new show Thursday night, Thursday at 8 p.m. I'm going to be back with Book of War Season 3 for more war game action uh, here in the house with a brand new opponent uh, for Season 3. So so we lo- we, just like Griff, we all love war gaming. So look for that Thursday night on the Wandering Nams channel. Um, you guys Griff, invite me at the Discord. I'll come. We'll try to make send that me happen. Me. All right, send we'll me try me to make that bite. happen. Hopefully, we no. can rip rope uh, no. Griffin for uh, for more chat on the Discord. Thank you so much for making time today, Griff. I wish we had more time. No, thanks for having me back. Just in an hour. Awesome.
2: How can you get anything done in an hour?
0: It goes real fast. Uh, don't forget, we are live different. every Sunday at one PM Eastern Time. So we hope you'll join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.